the EDP. Weird Norfolk, with Shifra Connor, Stacia Briggs and Richard Fair. Hello and welcome to um, the um, Merchant's House in Norwich. Um, we've got, a, I guess it's technically a Halloween special, even I though it's so. not on Halloween, but I refuse to to work on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> it's a religious holiday. Um, and yeah, so I'm Shifra, uh, this is Stacia, and this is Richard, who's our tech guy, and the guy who keeps us on the straight and narrow when we get completely distracted. Um, which is always. Which is which pretty is always. much always, yeah. 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 So I do apologise in advance if we go off track, but we will try and keep it to ghosts. Um, previous live podcasts, we've like included folklore and things like that, but I think it's all ghosts today, isn't it? It's been quite hard, but it is all yeah, ghosts. Yeah, all ghosts. Yeah. Um, Although saying that, we're going to start with a big cat, so sorry. <laughs> um, at our biddies recording, I don't know if anyone's listened to that yet. The really creepy one, which everyone who now goes in biddies is obviously going to be terrified. in the corner. <laughs> um, I mentioned on that day that I'd received um, some, they were pretty graphic images actually, of uh, a deer and pheasant carcasses. Um, the guy who sent it to me was wondering if I could help establish if they were victims of the Norfolk Puma. So I looked into it and um, I, uh, I contacted a guy called Matt Salisbury, who I think he's based in East Anglia. He then forwarded me, he's an expert in big cats in the UK. He then forwarded me to a guy called Rick Minter, who's also an expert. There's quite a lot of big cat experts. So like, who knew? <laughs> anyway, this was his response. Um, says, thanks for this info. It's often hard to say for sure, but I think these impacts might be from a bird of prey. They are often the most early creatures to start scavenging a carcass, and they could do a pheasant some damage as well. The pecking can be quite severe, and claw talon marks can be evident, which they seem to be in the first picture. I cannot see any distinctive signs which stand out clearly and suggest Ew. predation or consumption from a major predator, such as a menalistic leopard, a menalistic leopard is the technical name for a puma. So, the Norfolk puma. The Norfolk puma. Mm. It doesn't. It's not as catchy, though, is it? No, not really. <laughs> um, that was a depressing email, I know. wasn't it? So I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> we started off on a bit of a bad note. Yeah, that cat. Sorry. It, it was pecked but, by a bird. But I thought I'd do the, the sad one first, so it wasn't the Norfolk puma, unfortunately. Um, but I do have a really good one. Um, I'm all excited, you can tell I'm all excited, because that's my excited face. Um, on our episodes that we recorded at the Seagull Theatre, I don't know if anyone's listened to that one, that was with Ivan Bunn, who was of the Borderline Science Paranormal Investigation. Borderline Science? Our favourite anyway. boy band for me, Lowestoft. Um, <laughs> I told him a story that one of my colleagues told me, um, and just to summarise... Um, Jamie and uh, some of his friends were heading back to their car, which was parked on Corton Road in Lowestoft. They saw a dark figure near the car, and when they got close to it, it completely vanished. Um, Ivan identified the figure as possibly being the ghost of Drill Sergeant John Hargreaves. He said, he's said to haunt the area, and he collapsed and died on the stretch of road in 1867. Ivan then told us that he was known as Long John, as he was six foot four and was known as the tallest soldier in England. So then Ivan asked me to ask Jamie if he could give me a description. So the next day I did. 
and we had a cup of tea and we I'd casually mentioned to him, oh, we might have found out who that ghost was. <laughs> and I was like, uh, can, you, can you give me a description? And he, he looked at me and he was like, mm, well, he was really, really tall. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it's him. <laughs> um, so risen. yeah, obviously I did a little swear at him. Um, yeah, so that was quite good. I thought like we've actually got like a, a positive Scooby idea. Scooby-Doo solved. Yeah, done. Yeah. So we have one debunked, as they would say in Most Haunted, and one solved, which is excellent. Fantastic. So now we can move on to tonight's stories. So Monique, who's kind of facilitated this event tonight, has been kind of keeping her ear to the ground. I don't know, actually, I can't even... Oh, there she is. Hello. <laughs> um, she's been keeping her ear to the ground um, just to find us some spooky stories to share tonight. So we'll alternate in reading them. So do you want to go first? Cause you've yeah, got sure. I really should have read these two first. I haven't. Um, so apologies. Um, my husband, not my husband, this is the person who tells the story. <laughs> my husband's not recently moved office out of an old building opposite Timberhill. This person's has. His manager got a call from the office below their former office complaining about banging, footsteps and constant noise having to do with moving furniture. When they were informed about the move and that no one was currently occupying the space, the manager re returned to scope it out, fearing there was a break-in during the transition period. The doors were all locked and secure, not a single piece of furniture in the room, and it's the only space at the top floor. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this one says, an overheard story retold by me. Again, not technically me, Monique. Husband was in an antique shop on Magdalene Street where employees were speaking with customers. So just down here somewhere, I guess. Um, the story from the customers was that they were in a Norwich pub on the outskirts and ordered a pint. After some banter, the barman walked away and the customer turned away from his pint. When he turned around, the pint was gone and he asked the barman where it went. He said he didn't touch it. The man turned his back to the bar again and found his pint upside down on the floor with the, li the liquid miraculously not spilling out from underneath it. How is that even? <laughs> see how. This obviously intrigued them and when they went to touch it, everything poured out across the floor. The barman said customers sometimes reported sightings of a ghost that looked like it was wearing Chinese armour. He reckoned it was the Romans due to the area's history. That's really interesting. I wonder which pub it is. Yeah, and I wonder if he got another pint. Yeah. But how did he even, like, do that? I mean, the Romans were renowned for wearing Chinese armour, weren't they? Yeah, <laughs> always. Always. I, mean, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Ghosts can do whatever they like. Yeah, they can. Can't they? <laughs> to be fair. Okay, another one. Um, I used to work in a building opposite Bridewell Alley. The people who worked with me told me many stories. The cleaner said they'd clean the basement at night. Good and lock up only for stacks of papers to be scattered across the floor in the morning. The security guard said they'd be locking windows in an empty classroom and a chair would start spinning behind them. An events manager said they avoided the third floor because of a dark corner of your eye figure believed to be a woman mm. who would pass the classroom door with... Where is this classroom? Anyway, um, would pass by the classroom door windows, sometimes flickering lights and slamming doors. While I personally didn't experience anything, I did receive former tenants popping in to visit on occasion who asked if we'd experienced the lady yet. 
When I, out of curiosity, asked them to revisit the basement or third floor, they were very much opposed. Mm. You would be, wouldn't you? Where was it again? Bride, a building opposite Bridewell Alley. Isn't there an art college? Yeah, yeah. maybe yeah, it is the art maybe college. It's there. Gosh. That's a good one. Well, a dark corner of your eye figure. Hikey Sprite. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I've, remem- I've remembered, you asked me earlier on before we started recording whether I had any stories and actually I've just remembered one which I heard on the bus going home one day because my bus comes along here and it was a guy and he said that he used to run an antique fair in a church on, along this road and I seem to remember him saying that it was on the corner of Elm Hill so it's not that one, it's the church, the next one up I don't know what church yeah. it is, anybody know what oh, church that is? The one the guides used to be in that's it, because yeah. he said the, the scouts and the guides used to meet there, and he used to do an antique fair, and he was saying that on one occasion he was packing up his antique fair, and he saw somebody come in and go upstairs, went up in, like into the, the tower or whatever it was, and he was clearing away, and this person didn't come back down again, and when the caretaker came along to, to lock up and say goodbye and everything, the guy said... You better just dip upstairs because somebody went upstairs. And he said, well, you can't get upstairs. And this person, he'd seen this figure going through the door and up the stairs, but they weren't there. And it's the church just up there. So. The ghost of a Boy Scout. Well, I don't know whether it was a, a Boy Scout or, or a guide. Brownie. Or a guide or a disgruntled <laughs> antique purchaser. Any Baden-Powell's lot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I have another one. Um, this is uh, quite a short one. I, I liked this one though. It made me chuckle today when I read it. Um, an overheard story. I was in a charity shop on Magdalen Street, and there was a there was banter between employees about a white lady that appeared at the top of his stairs again. He said this time he mustered up the courage to ask her out, only for her to disappear, which left him feeling rather rejected. <laughs> Ghosted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, Okay, and the last one is, um, I have a a mental block with this one, because whenever I read the words Binham Priory, this kind of literal light bulb goes off, because my husband's brother put the electrics in Binham Priory, and every time I think, that's so boring, but that's so true. (laughs) So so the lights that this woman saw were put in by my brother. But then didn't... Isn't that exciting? Richard do a follow-up to that? <laughs> and then Richard, and then my husband said to me later, when I told the 50th person, whenever I hear Bin and Pro, and he said, I don't think he did put them in there, actually. <laughs> and then he said, I think I told you that to impress you. And I was like, why would that impress me? But then I have remembered it forevermore. And you did so, marry him. And I did, yeah, that oh, was it. Literally, him. he put them in where? Right. OK, quick. Um, <laughs> I visited Bin and Priory where my brother-in-law put in the lights, with my husband, and I had this strong gut feeling that I shouldn't go back inside the church. But we needed the loo. We've all been there. Before driving quite a long way back, so we inevitably had to enter the church. I knew from the first step that I should turn around and leave, but my husband wanted to check out the nave. My body didn't want me to move. I remained at the back pew. There was no one else there, and it was completely dark, both inside and outside. A few days before Halloween last year. It was also maybe five minutes to the official closing time. I did look around to see if anyone else was there, but noted there were no staff or visitors, despite feeling watched and unwelcome. My husband continued forward, telling me later that the nearer he got to the altar, the more off he felt. 
We both heard heavy footsteps above us, but there was nowhere intact for anyone to walk. Long after we left, my husband told me he felt something oppressive pass through him. Mm. Apparently, a monk buried in chains is said to haunt there. Mm. You ever had anything oppressive move through you? You asked me this already today. You didn't give me an answer. No, I know. <laughs> Just checking. No comment. If you've thought about it. <laughs> I still haven't got an answer for you. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> we have done a Bill and Priory ghost before, haven't we? And I, I think it was the one in chains. Yes. And he's meant to haunt... Is it Morley Rectory as well? I think so. It's Morley. And I think uh, in the 70s there was a ghost programme filmed there. And it was one of the... Oh, actually, I've just remembered. It's actually a really good story. So they were there filming looking for this ghost and uh, the camera panned across and when they were showing the TV show people thought that they saw a figure of a monk and it's what inspired the TV show Ghost Watch. I don't know if anyone remembers seeing that, the most terrifying, I'm still affected by it. I think I was like, it's like PTSD, yeah. it's like, don't, so <laughs> oh, horrible. But it was really, because it was like the first time People have like really seen a ghost on camera, I think, like on moving camera, and, and that's what inspired that show, which yeah was terrifying. If you haven't watched it, it's on YouTube, and it's yeah, yeah. It gave you PTSD. Yeah, didn't it? it's 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 just horrible. It is awful. Like, really, really scary. Yeah, horrible. Oh. I've many seen it. Yeah. yeah, a couple of people have seen it. Yeah, it was presented by Michael Parkinson. Sarah and, Green. and it was uh, Sarah yeah. Green and yeah and Mike Smith, yeah. <laughs> but it was done as though it was a real program, and it was like because it was Michael Parkinson, everybody believed it, well, didn't they? The and then it really took it. a nasty twist, and didn't then, it? Um, at the, oh, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. Well, I will anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end, the the spirit of pipes, which is was horrifying. All I need to say is that way. I mean, it just gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Um, transferred like through the video cameras into the the tv studio where michael parkinson was and like stuff started like flying around and pe and then it just went blank and like people thought sarah green had died and she had to like go on tv the next day so no i'm still i'm still alive it's, it's a fine joke. it's all just a joke yeah isn't, it, isn't this similar to the uh, the ufo scare Series is, is it something at number thirteen or it, well, there's a series with the guys from League of Gentlemen Inside in it? Number Inside number nine, yeah, yeah. they did a, a similar last one year, last yes. year, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't watch that. Very similar, sort of. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, see, sidetracks. Sorry. <laughs> um, can I read one now? Is that all right? We, our day job is working at the local paper, so we have good access to to old clippings and things. Um, and I found this really good one, which I haven't read to Stacia yet either. Um, 
But it kind of does tie into our last episode at Biddy's where we talked about um, black magic at Kings Lynn and they had um, effigies of humans with pins in and stuff. So it kind of vaguely ties into that. So it's cool. It was in on the 5th of December 1986 and it was in the Eastern Daily Press and the, the headline reads, Brush with a Ghost. Love it. Um, Malcolm Brown, the West Norfolk police sergeant who paints like constable, hides a ghostly mystery in canvas. Sergeant Brown, who only discovered his talent when he took up painting to relax during an exhausting CID investigation, has discovered the spectre of a tramp in one of his paintings. At least he thinks he has. Yesterday, he took time off during last minute work for an exhibition to explain the ghoulish puzzle. I was told a story about a Norfolk wood, I can't remember which, that had a tramp living in it. The tramp died and he was found in the wood with a smile on his face. <laughs> the idea took my imagination and I painted a picture of the scene but put no tramp in it. During the exhibition, somebody saw the picture and told me they particularly liked the figure of the tramp. But when we looked at the picture again, it had disappeared. During the same exhibition, somebody else said the same thing about the tramp. We had another look, but it had gone. To this day, I've never seen him myself. The picture has since been sold, but Sergeant Brown still has the paint mixture he used. It was recommended to me by a black magic expert. I plan to use it again sometime, what? he says. It was recommended to me by a black magic? What? I knew you'd like it. <laughs> That's insane. What was in the paint mixture? I, I still can't go. It was reckon. Where do you home base? Lynn again. Like, Pop in. Can I can tell I... you something about? I've read something about paint mixture. Um, in the like Victorian times, and maybe a little bit before that, there's this particular brown called Mummy Brown. And why do you think it was called Mummy Brown? It's because they'd been raiding all of the tombs in that point in history, which obviously is, you know, not no. good. <laughs> and um, yeah, so they'd been actually grinding down actual mummies dead bodies <coughs> and putting them into paint could be mumming dust well what if what if the black it was the per, the black magic expert who told him about the tramp and he had used like the tramp's the, remains this, this to story make the paint, leaves many many questions unanswered I, I feel i feel like it's a bit like the witches you know when they're like the children are captured and, the, and they move like and they're always in a different position yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's that's what was uh, yeah reiterated for yeah. me yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just like yeah. they're always somewhere different and, oh, yeah. and that eerie theme tune as well well yeah the original. <laughs> <laughs> I think most of all it makes me want to write a kind of TV drama series for the afternoon about a police sergeant who who kind of does <laughs> solves crime and paints with black magic paint because that it's strange out west isn't it but I did think it was interesting that obviously there was that black magic stuff at Kings Lynn with the with the effigies like pinned to the also the did he do any more paintings I think who he was, bought it I think he was, why it could be like this painting could be out there somewhere like oh god and haunting paintings that's a whole other thing isn't it like the crying children oh yeah. no yeah. yeah yeah that is amazing I well knew, done not, I was like I was like yeah I should have said she wouldn't tell me earlier she, she said I found this brilliant story and I was going oh yeah no I'm not going to tell you right but to be fair that is really good Excellent. Um, I can't top that. Um, so let's end. Can anyone else top it? Does anyone have any stories they want to share? 
So this is not actually a Norfolk story. This is actually a story from Germany. Um, so when I was working in Germany as a camp manager, so we used to work on summer camps for children. They're basically English programs for children. Um, and during the summer, we'd camp out in tents. And frequently, very frequently, people would get a um, soldier standing at the end of their beds. Um, it was something which happened consistently, actually. Um, and it was found out later on that this particular soldier had then gone and committed suicide very close to where, uh, where we were putting our tents as staff. Now, going back from Germany and going back to Norfolk, um, something very similar happened to us again whilst we were camping in Waxham. So some of you may know Waxham. So again, a few friends kept on having the same effigy, uh, effigy um, at the end of their beds, a soldier at the end of the beds, um, but an English soldier instead. My friend, uh, yeah, okay, may have had a couple of beers, but he did walk out into the middle of the ocean and tried to go play the piano in the middle of the ocean. Now it turns out, and these are two entirely separate situations. So I was working in Germany. I hadn't told my friend about this situation in Germany. Um, I hadn't said, okay, lots of my friends are experiencing this, in, this same thing. Um, uh, it turns out they were both piano players. There was two soldiers, so one very close to the area in Jena in Germany um, was a piano player, um, but a German soldier. And again, in Waxham, uh, a Norfolk soldier that was from a similar, the same area um, was a piano player. Uh, similar time in the war, had both gone to the same battle. The fact that I'd been to both of those places <coughs> kind of freaks me out a little bit. Um, also, I woke up in the middle of the night and I was sharing a bedroom. So, so yeah, so we uh, used to stay in tents uh, during the summer season. But during the winter season, when it got a bit colder, when we were looking after the kids during the, um, uh, when it got a bit colder, autumn time, winter time, um, my friend woke up bolt upright, and he's an Irish man. I've never heard this, I've never heard him say this voice before, and he just went, Maud. Like, Maud over and over and over again, which is murder in, in German. Mm. There you go. <laughs> Um, so my parents used to um, work and pretty much run the Falcon Pub at the Boundary. I don't know if you guys know it. Um, and um, one sort of midweek evening, um, my mum was sort of in the bar serving pints and things. And this guy came in and he was just rude to my mum. Just like, get me a pint now sort of attitude. Um, so my mum poured him a pint, put it down, went to the other end of the bar turned round and she said she saw the pint glass lift up and pour down his back <laughs> and he turned round to my mum and went well you did that my mum went how could I have possibly done that I was right the other end of the bar and he just walked out and left my mum in the bar on her own <laughs> oh, that's happening there or um, so my mum always said that when she because she used to go in first thing and clean as well um she used to hear sort of a, a newspaper rustle sort of in the back room 
And she sort of mentioned it to my granddad, and she said, he said, oh, yeah, that's where the old owner used to sit and read his paper every morning. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, and um, things like my dad would say, like, sort of heavy knives and things would fly across the kitchen, that kind of stuff. So they didn't work there for much longer. <laughs> it sounds like it was quite a protective ghost, though. If it was the old landlord, he must have been, or she must have been annoyed by the, the rudeness of that customer. Yeah. So... Josh, couldn't everybody in retail or hospitality do one of those? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Step in. Wasn't me. Yeah. Sorry, I was over there. Amazing. Oh, Thank, you. Thank you. So I'm going to share this in confidence as well because it is a ridiculous story, but it, it's that sort of thing of like, it is the, that's where words come into play of the unexplained and the supernatural. Um, and this was about 10 years ago. Uh, and the person who I was seeing, for some situation, I was alone in their flat. And it was a modern flat. Um, however, it's on the site of the old hospital, which there answers everything, because it's just as good as, like, in Poltergeist, of just removing the headstones and not removing the bodies, right? Because stuff's happened in that space. Um, and it was a boiling hot July day, broad day, like, middle of the day. And I just got out of the shower and I'm alone in the flat and I open up the bathroom door and on the floor upright is half a person looking up at me and the best way I can do oh god I'm getting off jingly talking about it the best way I can describe it and it's broad daylight is if you were to get um a brown crayon and on its side so you're not writing up on its side and sort of do a shadow of a person it was like that it was a dirty filthy mist of a person however unlike where you were talking about uh, something in the corner of your eye this was right in front of me and the only detail a bit like um so i'm going to describe it as verbally as i can without using my hands for listeners on the podcast <laughs> is if you can imagine uh the capital letter t now imagine that on someone's face i could only see the distinct detail of their eyes the dryness under their eyes, the yellow jaundice of the eyeball, the veins in the eyes, the chapped dry lips and how if you rest your face, the, your, your two front teeth just rest on your lip as well and it's looking up right at me. And I just felt disgusted and sick and obviously terrified. Um, but I felt ill from it mainly and in one smooth motion I just went from that corridor into the bedroom I closed the door and I put my clothes on and I just went out and I ran and I just ran and ran I think I must have ran the the whole ring road or something because <laughs> at that point just reality just was put on its head and you just need to get out and that is something that I absolutely hate and loathe is um the fact of how I like spooky things and I like horror films and I am quite um, creative. And yet when I saw that, I know what I saw. Um, and when I came back afterwards, I was looking at things of like, um, you know, faces in the fire sort of. Uh, so I was looking at the wooden floor, but it's only Lionel, um, vinyl flooring. Um, don't know who Lionel is. Uh, vinyl flooring. And um, there is no way there was any little detailing of a face or anything or the fact it was a hot day. And it was, like, bugging me ever since. And um, it's interesting, like, we use the word ghost of something from the past and the word haunt, because this thing that I encountered 
started to haunt me because I couldn't put it at rest because I needed some form of logic. And it wasn't until some time later I was like, I know exactly why they are, were in half looking up at me. And that's because even though it's not on the ground of the, how the hospital was built, these are new builds. So the levels are not in line with that. Um, and I do know some other people who lived in their, uh, that whole area and they say they've seen a lot of weird things that just don't make sense. Um, but I wish that never happened to me because it is horrible and I'll never forget the detailing of it, of like you can see through this dirty, smeary shadow, brown shadow, apart from the, the detailing of what you would put on a face, the most detailed parts, looking, and it was looking at me. Um, so I think I have seen some, you know, maybe they were on a deathbed, but I didn't feel sympathy for them. I felt they weren't good. And I felt disease. I felt they were contaminated or something vile. Yeah. Had the person who lived there seen anything? Yeah. And they didn't choose to speak about it. It was like an ongoing joke of going, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. No, they didn't. (laughs) (laughs) No. But weird things would happen as well. Like you turn. I don't know, because it was like a new build at the time, you turn off the lights and then there'd be a flash in the room and you're like, electrics, right? Right? But who are you to suggest that thing? So you'd walk from, through the living dining room out of the room after you've turned the lights off and you'd bump into something, but there's nobody there. But the worst thing was this disease spirit, um, the best way I can describe. And I'll never forget like the yellowing of the eyes and... They were milky as well, and the veins going through it. And I just, the whole world was just put on its head. The whole rug from under me was slipped. And I was naked the whole time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the twist as well. But it's, it's horrible. And I'm sharing this in confidence because I feel I can, because it's ridiculous. And that's why I just ran. I just ran. Um, I interviewed a lady who runs the brilliantly named Bigfoot. Is it British Bigfoot? Bigfoot group? Or, or she collects all the stories about Bigfoot. And the reason she does it is because when she was 15, she saw something coming out of a bush, like literally a face, seven foot high, absolutely terrified. And obviously nobody believed her. Nobody believed her. Everybody thought she was mad. Yeah. Everybody laughed at her. And she was absolutely traumatised. To She's now 57 and she's still traumatised by it. And she runs this group because she wants people to have somewhere to go when this happens to them. And she kind of said, you know, because of the name of the group, people think that they're Bigfoot hunters and that they go out looking for Bigfoot. And she was saying, you know, I do not want to see that again. You know, I'm interested in finding out what it was. I don't want to see it again. So I think it's the same kind of thing, isn't it? It's very similar in a sense of, like, it puts all into perspective of, like, you know, groups where you're, like, me having a drink or something at a Halloween party, and you've got, oh, I wish I saw a ghost and stuff. And it's a little bit like if you've ever read Susan Hill's The Woman in Black at the beginning of that, where he's an old man, it's Christmas, and they tell spooky tales, and he's like, oh, you're all talking about people without heads and this, that, and the other. And it's like, you've not seen a real ghost. And I'm sort of that person now of going, I know what I've seen, and uh, you might want to be careful what you wish for. That's, that's all I'll say, yeah. Um, can, I ask, can I ask a question, is that all right? Yeah. Um, when you came out of the bathroom and you saw, and you saw this thing looking yeah. up at you, did you, have to, did you have room to like walk around it? Did you, yeah, um, like... so it was a very narrow corridor, but, but they were all such sort of small sort of flats on that level. Uh, I opened up the corridor, it was there, and the, bar, the bedroom door was sort of there. 
so just a quick oh, okay, snake right. so on just, through. Like, step over, step over it, and they get like an eyeful yeah. of it. Um, <laughs> its eyes were moving. Its eyes were looking at me, and even though the face and lips were dry and still, you could sense like it was moving. It wasn't a photo. It wasn't. It wasn't still. It was definitely present, okay. and there was a moment of us making eye contact. Have you drawn it? Have you ever looked all kind of... I could try, yeah. Because I do drawings and that's something I haven't actually forced myself to draw. I don't think I could. I don't know. Maybe it'd be, maybe it'd be healthy for me to do it. And I could recommend it. a paint colour for you to do it. Yeah, I could paint yeah. it and then we can see where it ends up. We know this guy in West Norfolk and he's uh, it's great paint. Shall I share my, my favourite ghost story? Mm. I think we might have spoken about this one on the podcast before, but it remains my favourite, apart from yours, I think. I think yours is my favourite now. Okay. <laughs> <Have it. Thanks>. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to read Stacia's telling of it, because she obviously writes it so beautifully. True. Um, the atmospheric remains of St Mary at Fulmerston are all that is left of the church that once served the village and was recorded in the Doomsday Book. The building was abandoned in the 1880s, along with the church at Croxton, and a brand new church, Christ Church, was built halfway between the two. Set in picturesque countryside along tracks frequented by walkers, St Mary's ivy camouflage means that it is often overlooked. But in August 2005, a group of walkers noticed the church and decided to take a closer look. However, someone or something, wasn't in the mood for welcoming visitors. Unperturbed by the fact that one of the walkers' dogs refused point-blank to even approach the ruined tower of the church, the group picked their way through the brambles and began to explore the ruins, only to be met by a strange white mist and an overpowering smell of sulphur. Sulphur is often recorded by those who witness paranormal activity, and the smell has been recorded since biblical times and by Greek philosophers. It is also often remarked on those who claim to have been visited by flying saucers or aliens. As the walking party went to leave the ruins, voices were heard and a spectral figure was seen moving around the top of the tower, even though the floor upon which it would have stood had long since crumbled away. The walkers very wisely did a somewhat hasty retreat. I think I just like it because it's so, it's like such a simple story and like from seeing the pictures of it, it's it's really beautiful, kind of a bit like East Somerton, but way more overgrown, and it's still got all the gravestones there, but it's just, like, completely abandoned. Um, where is it? Um, it's kind of, quite near Thursford, you know, where they have the Christmas oh, Spectacular, yeah. like, not, probably, like, maybe five minutes' drive from there. That's not the one I thought. So, and it's, it's, it's basically, like, in a little wooded area, or off, like, a little beaten track. But I don't know, it's just, it is so beautiful there, like the pictures, it's just, I just love the look of it. But then this kind of, the smell of the sulphur, I don't know, if it was just the mist, but accompanied by the sulphur smell, it, it just makes it feel like it's something quite bad. Have you I don't been know. there? No, I haven't. Um, we sent one of the photographers and he, <laughs> he hated it. Like, he was really freaked out. We've got a range of photographers who absolutely hate our jobs. Yeah. It's like, we've just got a new one started now, so I'm just, like, waiting to send her out to all the the creepy places. There's this church with this demon. (laughs) You mean... mean, Yeah, I I honestly, I would love to go. Um, Yeah. 
just you, need to find someone who can drive. <laughs> That's my main issue. You mentioned East Somerton. So, for those that don't know the story. Um, does everyone here know East Somerton? Where yeah, have Somerton. Been have you been? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Sort of with a tree growing. Yeah, there. from the middle. So, the, the East Somerton one is, um, again, it's just an absolutely stunning ruin. It's like everything you imagine, like when you picture a ruined church and there's like ivy just like blowing over the old windows and stuff, it's, it's really lovely. Near so can I just stop you? This is really weird that you should mention this because I went to East Somerton the day after my wedding, I'm pretty certain I did. No, we've been there another time. And we went there after dusk and I had no idea there were even stories about it at all until you've literally just mentioned it. <laughs> we were taking some photos when digital cameras were like, you know, a bit, a bit older. Um, and um, we, we got some very strange pictures. Oh, really? And I never even knew that there was a thing there. So now you've just said that, it's literally just clicked. Oh, you'll have to like send God, them to try, us. I don't know whether it was like 10 years ago. It could be anywhere, <laughs> they could be anywhere. But yeah, so the story about it is, um, there's the ruined church and in the middle of the church is uh, an oak tree, a massive oak tree. And the story goes that um, a witch was buried alive there and she had a wooden leg and from her wooden leg grew this oak tree which d completely destroyed the, the church. And if you walk three times around the tree and say her name, her spirit is meant to rise. But luckily no one knows her name. Although you always Although say, it's, I would probably... say it's probably Mary or something, because yeah. that's what everyone's called. they were all called Mary then, weren't they? <laughs> but there have, apart from the, the, the spirit of the witch, there have actually been reports of monks being seen there as well. Mm. Kind of, I suppose the trouble with it is to do an investigation there, obviously it's outside, so you have no control over what's happening. You know, there's wildlife there and the wind will blow and a twig will rub against a, a stone and then you think someone's scratching and then you get scared and... <laughs> Well, I thought it was quite nice by... Uh, actually, I did as well. Yeah, I've been there a couple of times and it's always actually really lovely. Mm. Never anything negative there. And you can drive past it and not even know it's yeah. there, can you? Like, it's, it's it just appears from the yeah. trees, literally. Yeah. It yeah. is amazing. It really is, and I would highly recommend mm. it. And the Norfolk Giant's buried over the road. Yeah, the Norfolk Giant. Although his... Is a bit rubbish. Yeah, yeah. you'd think it'd be like a giant kind tomb, of tomb, it's but not. it's like, it's just the normal yeah. size one. But he was like, he went, like, Queen Victoria met him and stuff. Barnum. Yeah, he, he was part of P.T. Barnum. Yeah, really before, interesting. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that's another good story. But a couple, actually. I was thinking about your story about the shower. Right. So I had a similar thing happen to me, but it was a floating eye. It was just an eye, and it was level with mine, and I was probably 11 or 12 or something. I don't want to say it's associated with anything, but it was around the time that my dad was like, you know, it'd be funny if we had a Ouija board and messed around with it. And my mom goes, oh, I don't, I don't want that in the house, and I had no opinion on it, but it was around the same time. The one about hearing uh, my grandmother's, um, I was very close to my grandmother, and she passed away, and um, her son, my dad, was in another country. And the first time we'd been reunited since being separated for about three years um, was after her death. And I was upstairs, and this is like in another part of the world in the Philippines, and I heard my grandmother's voice say my name. It was just my name, as you would say to anyone, like just normal voice. And I thought, that's a bit weird, but I was so sure that happened, but I didn't want to upset my dad. 
So um, I went downstairs and uh, he was in the kitchen cooking and we were just sitting having dinner and he's looking a little weird and I'm like, are you okay? He's like, I really don't want to upset you, but uh, I'm pretty sure I heard grandma's voice say my name in the kitchen. So that was, um, that was about 2006 when that happened. <laughs> yeah. Thank, Thank you. you for that. <laughs> okay, so I think we've probably got time for one more story. Do you want to, or shall I? You. Okay, so this is told for me I'm, uh, by a friend on a night out. Um, I'm not going to name her. Um, so my friend is a nurse, and she was on a night shift at a hospital or a care home. I actually can't remember which because we're a little bit tipsy at this point. The ward that she was on was T-shaped. And the nurse's station was at the bottom of the T, and all of the patients' rooms were along like the top of the T, if that makes sense. Um, it was about mid, she was on a night shift, and it was about midnight, so it wasn't like too late into her shift. She wasn't like 4 a.m. and hallucinating and really tired or anything. And she saw someone who she thought she recognized as being one of the patients dressed in a long white nightgown walk from the direction of her room, like across the end of the tea. So she's like, oh, that's a bit strange. Um, Cause all of the rooms had alarms on the doors so that if someone got up in the night, the nurses could just go and check on them to make sure they're okay. Um, she walked along the corridor to investigate and she didn't see anyone going back towards the room that she thought the person had come from. And when she got back to the room, the door was closed and the lady she thought it had been was actually all tucked up in bed. And she's, she's got no idea, there was, she's got no idea who that white figure was. That was right creepy. <laughs> so there we go. Thank you ever so much for coming along for some spooky stories. Hi. Who wants the last word? Weird Norfolk. Produced and edited by Richard Fair. The EDP. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant.